Listener Production. Linda Mariano is an Australian radio announcer and musician turned podcaster and storyteller. She'll likely have kept you company during the afternoon on Triple J back in the 2010s or in lockdown with her poignant, honest podcast, Tough Love. Linda has an Italian, Malaysian and Chinese heritage and currently resides in Los Angeles. Her love of music runs deep in her veins and she's also worked as a DJ. My name is Helen Smith. I'm the producer of The Weekend Briefing and I'm filling in for Jamila Rizvi today as she's had the busiest week known to humankind and has lost her voice from over-celebrating International Women's Day. Up next, I'll bring you The Weekend List where we recommend what to watch, see, do, eat or listen to. But first, here's Jamila's interview with Linda Mariano. Hey, Linda, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy weekend to all of us. Yeah, indeed. And it is so nice to have you back because long-time listeners of The Weekend Briefing will remember there was a period that you used to grace us with your incredible recommendations on a weekend. Of course. We talked about books. We dived into TV shows. We talked about movies, podcasts. We really went hard. I, I go hard on the content. I'm a, I'm yeah. like a couch potato, an audio potato. I'm all the potatoes. Which is exactly why we have brought you back. But I am not chatting to you from Australia anymore. You were in LA. Tell me why you were there and what is going on and how many celebrities you had breakfast with. Oh, my God. Do you know what? I actually was at a dinner with um, Chris Pine. Is that his name? The guy oh, yeah. that's got like really blue eyes. And, you I know, it's, so. it's one of those things where you do feel, and I will jump into why I'm in LA, but since you asked about the Hollywood thing, it is kind of funny. It's the thing that I realise about walking around the streets here is you do notice faces. You just go, oh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at that person for an extra long time and it's not because they're someone that I've walked past in an office that I have actually met before. It's because their face is also on that billboard and they're the star of Emily. Oh, my God, do you know who I met the other day? Ted Danson. Oh, wow. Look at you. I'm really getting into the Hollywood tangents here. But the reason I'm here is not for Ted Danson. It's not for the weird celeb spotting. It's because my long distance relationship is finally in close distance. And the partner that I was separated from throughout the whole pandemic, I've finally been able to reunite with. So I've moved over to LA to finally be with my partner, Magnus, which is very exciting. I am genuinely so happy for you. Long distance is super duper hard, especially when you're talking about a pandemic and an ocean inserted into that distance. You made a podcast all about being in lockdown and long distance love called Tough Love. Tell me about what the reaction to that's been like. That was a project that was born out of such a strange, tender place. In 2021, when we were all in this, no matter where you were in the world, everybody was affected by it. And oh. for me, I had planned to, at the start of 2020, 
move from Australia to LA. I'd quit my job. My partner and I had been doing long distance already for three years at that time. And we were both so excited. We'd lined up new work. We were both getting ready to, you know, live together in LA. And he'd been here for a couple of years already. And then finding myself at a stage where I'd quit my job, I'd moved out of my apartment. And all of a sudden I couldn't be where I needed to be. And I, like so many people, was stuck. So I found myself moving back in with my dad, back into my teenage bedroom and sitting with that reality for a really long time, like so many of us had to, where you are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And you're like, what do I do? How can I try and get through this with hope and with some sort of growth happening, hopefully in a nice way. And it was from that that the Tough Love podcast project was born. And I, look, I don't wish that reality upon anybody. I don't wish anyone to be separated from their partner or to have things upended like that in our lives ever again. But for me, and like for so many of us, it truly provided me with these lessons on all of the stuff that counts in our life. It made me take a really long, hard look at my values, the way that I had spent so many years thinking about my career as my identity and those things being interwoven and what happens when that gets pulled away. It made me think about what are the things that I actually need in a relationship and can that be sustained when you are in no way able to make plans to see your partner again? for the foreseeable future. And for us, that ended up being almost a year and a half that we couldn't see each other. And then it also made me really take a look at my relationship with my family and my relationship with my own health and having to face up to things that for so long, you know, you get so good at squashing things down, squashing things down and being able to to find a place where I could own that position that I was in, that really vulnerable position and talk about it for the first time in my life really truthfully and not as a happy host and a presenter for so many years where you always put on a bright face and you just are there to say that consistently every day is the same and every day is great to actually try and move through those hard spaces. I think for me made the project more rewarding because of that. It's felt like the community that came out of that is or was just as vulnerable and just as inviting and loyal in that way. It is quite an incredible podcast. For those of you who haven't listened, I really do recommend you go and have a look. Linda, when I go home and I spend time with my parents and my sister, I find that we all revert back to the behaviours of the age we were when we last lived together. Did you go into lockdown and age yourself backwards? I did. Unfortunately, not in the skincare department. I definitely, I think we all aged about 50, 100 years through the pandemic, but I absolutely reverted. Like that is just what happened. And as much as I tried not to, Uh you find, you catch yourself regressing to this bizarre teenage mother-daughter dynamic, this bizarre teenage father-daughter dynamic where on the one hand, 
I'm saying to myself, you got to be grateful. you got to be grateful. This is great. You've got your parents. You're so close to them. And as well, like I don't know if it's the same with all kind of kids of immigrants, but there's this sense of like closeness and you've got to be, you know, my, my dad's from Italy, my mum's from Malaysia, and they both came to Australia for a better life. And so when they had kids, there's this almost added pressure and expectation that you're constantly close and you're all that each other's got and you don't move out of home until you get married and you always live in each other's pockets. And so being kind of back in there in my 30s and having that sort of, we're all going to take care of each other and we're all going to be great. It just made me wrestle back with that idea of feeling guilty, feeling bratty, feeling like I wasn't doing good enough. And and it takes a little while to kind of unlearn that. And that is actually one of the things that we are diving into in the second season of Tough Love, which picks up after the first season ends. So the first season of Tough Love ends where I still don't have a date where I'm seeing my partner. I'm still stuck in Australia, but there's this sense of making peace with the uncertainty, understanding Mm. that life is always going to be uncertain. We're always going to have to adapt and we're going to have to find hope within that. It doesn't matter. Like we've got to like figure out the way to push through that uncomfortable space. And that's kind of where we leap into season two. And, you know, a lot of that is, is facing those dynamics that we that we're going to live with you know we're always going to be close with our parents and and even more so there's like a vulnerability that happens when our parents get older and we become the adults and then the roles shift again i think most people listening know you most as a radio announcer or a musician yeah did you grow up with music in the family yes yeah so my dad was a hairdresser and he's semi retired now and he is still kind of doing hair out of his garage. But we always had a little kind of pretend hairdressing salon in our garage where dad would kind of blow dry my hair each week when I was a kid growing up. But alongside that, he had his record player in the garage and all of his vinyl collection. So he had hundreds and hundreds of records that would be there. So I would get my hair listen to this. What a spoiled little Italian princess. I would get my hair washed and blow dried by my dad twice a week growing up. And we're talking into oh like... Oh my God, this is the dream. <laughs> we, we're talking like well into kind of early teens into high school. He'd wash my hair in the laundry, he'd blow dry it, and he would choose an album to play for me as he was blow drying my hair and he would talk about the album. So I think obviously... That's where that direct music link comes from because he would analyse, the. you know, this is where this John Lennon album comes from. This is who Herbie Hancock is. This is the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Look at Julia Roberts on the cover. Like it was, I don't know, it was like totally ingrained. And I always thought that was normal. Like you sit a couple times a week and you get your hair blow dried by your dad <laughs> and listen to an album. Mate, <laughs> I don't think my dad owns a hair bro. That is just amazing. (laughs) And it sounds like your dad had pretty eclectic music taste, like you were exposed to a lot of different tunes growing up. Yeah, and then because mum's Chinese, she listened to a lot of Cantonese and like Mandarin pop music. And I don't know if you've ever heard like pop music, Asian pop music has such a sort of, it's almost got this kind of butterfly lightness to it. There's something that's so 
overly sweet about it. That's like all I can think of is these like really colourful characters on little cassette tapes that my mum would have. So when I was at home with her, like helping her clean around the house or something like that, she would always play this really kind of bright, bubbly Chinese pop music and then dad was in the garage playing like Credence Clearwater Revival. Amazing. You know, I mean, it's the classic Triple J playlist, really. (laughs) So talk to me about Triple J. You are starting to do casual shifts. I recall reading that you were doing like the proper late night to dawn kind of shift. How were you thinking about your life and how it was going to move forward then? Did you have a sense of like, this is what I'm going to do forever, this is what I'm born to do? Or was it a fun, exciting for now kind of feel? It was both. It was fun and exciting, but it was definitely a focused, I want to do this. This is what I'm going to be doing. So when I started doing mid-dawns at Triple J, I was also volunteering at community radio. I was doing a uni degree, which specialised in media. And in particular, I'd chosen it because of radio broadcasting. And it was all because I was that geeky kid that listened to radio all the time. I was obsessed with shows like Recovery and MTV. And so as soon as I finished high school, I chose the uni degree because I remember it said radio broadcasting was one of the courses that I could do. You know, in your kind of yearbooks in high school, at the end of year 12, I think most likely to become Most likely to become a thing. I just remembered, in my one, it was like most likely to become a tanned, I don't know, I guess we all really wanted to be tanned. It was like a tanned host of a music show. And that was what my thing was. And it was like the thing where you don't write it yourself. People write, people assign it for you. And it was because I was just obsessed with consuming those shows, buying the magazines, learning the lyrics to songs, and I guess just mouthing off about it all the time. I get the impression that you were someone who had not necessarily like really detailed set in place plans, but you had a really clear sense of direction from a young age and that you had a a set of determination that matched it. Is that part of why the pandemic perhaps felt even harder because it disrupted your determination to get to a certain point? What's strange is that I I think that I've actually been really indecisive. I get really indecisive about stuff where I'm like that kind of constant Libra and of not knowing things. But the career thing was the, was and still is like the only thing that I've ever felt dead set on. Everything else as a kid, I was like, oh yeah, I could do a bit of dancing or, oh, maybe I'm into this bit at school. There was a real sort of washy, uh, all-rounder, generally pleasant kid, teenager, But that career for, I don't know what it was, it was like, I want to host, I want to present, I want to talk to people, I want to talk about music and arts and I want to be able to interview people. That was the one thing. And you're right, I got used to that. I started working full-time straight out of uni and I didn't stop, essentially, until the pandemic hit. For me, I got into this routine of being really achievement focused and knowing what it looked like to have a calendar that was really full and not ever getting to the end of a month and not knowing what the next month would bring. Uh. And with that lack of serendipity, 
I think that that's a real loss. I don't want to live that way anymore at this point where you're governed by plans and expectations. I can see how I did that in the past and I can see how I got to achieve some things that on paper are really cool. But I think that deep work, for want of a better term, like that deep work that we all have to do as adults, you can only get there when something goes wrong or when you do leave something up to chance and you take a risk and you don't know what's coming up because we can't plan everything. You mentioned earlier that you were someone who defined themselves by work Mm. and in part the pandemic took that away for a period. I mean, then you made a podcast at home, but, you know, it took it away for in a traditional sense. Do you think there's something wrong with defining yourself by your work? I remember reading this quote once and it was like, you need to choose how to define yourself and what your roles are and what you value because otherwise it's going to get done for you. So if you want to define yourself by your career or maybe how you spend your time, whether that's being a mum or being an athlete or being a daughter, just speaking personally, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what's been wrong for me has been getting into a snowball where those decisions are made for me and where I'm unaware of making that link to the point where when that one thing goes, because the rest of your life is so imbalanced towards that, your self-esteem and self-worth hinging on that one thing in your life, whether it's your career or your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, once that thing goes and you can't stand up on your own, that's where I think the danger lies. You mentioned that being a great partner is important to you. I feel like you've got to be a pretty great partner to sustain a long-distance relationship for the period that you did. What was hard about it and what helped you be Mm. able to do that? Because there aren't many couples who could, I don't think. It is really hard. You can't sugarcoat it. It's hard. Long-distance is hard. Long-distance makes you put in an amount of effort that at some points feels unsustainable. How long can you sustain a relationship that's just based on hearing someone's voice with not knowing how you can exactly plan your future? But what it does do is get you to understand that the cream always rises in a way. So if you are that person for that other person then their actions and their commitment to you is going to show up no matter what the context. So a big part of it, and this is so unsexy to say, is being organised. Yeah. And that happens whether or not you're long distance or you're close distance. If someone's flaky, if someone says they're going to call you and they don't, if they say they want to hang out and then they cancel at the last minute, like you can be a flake in person and you can be a flake long distance and then it kind of just gets you to weed it out straight away. But if someone's showing up for you consistently, you can still, it was was remarkable how connected I could still feel to my partner and vice versa, even though we were so far away. And there's like 
actually an intimacy in being long distance because it forces you to be able to communicate and talk through the hardest feelings that you have. It absolutely sucks if you're having a bad day and you can't lean over and and be totally comfortable silence and just hug someone. That really sucks. But the the tool of being able to talk through anything and talk through, okay, what are our long-term goals here? Like, let's not F around. Can we really be worth the wait? And if, like Magnus and I did, if you decide it and you go, actually, I think you are, let's keep doing this while we make each other happy. And then the happiness kind of didn't end. <laughs> but it does take a lot of work and it, and it is hard. There's hard, there's really hard days and, and it can be really triggering being like, I can see my friends around me so happy with their partners and I'm still waiting. You'll be talking about tough love tomorrow on stage at the Opera House. Yeah. Tell us what that's going to be about. That is a really exciting one-off Tough Love live show. So we're going to be squishing all the things that we love about the first season of the podcast. As I said, we've got season two coming. Not only that, but I've also, off the back of the podcast, written a book which will be coming out in a couple of months' time. Wow. We're all, we're, we're just doing it all. We're going deep. We're going really deep. Um, but as part of the live show, we're going to be going into those themes. So themes of family, how we feel about our bodies and our health. Like I didn't even say, this is a slight spoiler, but we're, we'll be talking about the way that our bodies manifest stress as well. Something that we all kind oh. of like, for me, I like kind of knew on the surface, like, oh, of course, your body manifests your stress. But for me, it got to a point where when I was able to actually get on a plane to go back to LA to get back into the home that I'd set up years ago that I could never live in, my body got so stressed at the idea of like visas, the state of the world, the tension of things, leaving behind my parents, that I broke out in complete stress hives and the most oh wow yeah yeah like a really intense eczema rash where i couldn't actually get on the plane like it was completely debilitating this thing that i had put so much pressure on my body kind of caved in and said no like you're putting so much pressure on yourself like that's one of the things that we're wrestling with in season 2 is this feeling of having these goals still, how do we get what we want, but how do we actually take care of ourselves in the meantime? Um, so we're diving into that and I've got some spectacular guests. So I've got my one of my best friends, my mentor, she's the host of Insight on SBS, Kumi Taguchi, is going to be coming by and being one of the guests and comedian Becky Lucas as well and an extra special guest in my mum, Janet is going to hey. be taking to the stage. She keeps asking me what she should wear. And I'm like, Mum, you always look glamorous. Just come and whatever you want. That sounds quite incredible. I am so looking forward to being there. Linda, thank you so much for being my guest on The Weekend Briefing. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's it for Jamila's conversation with Linda Mariano. Wasn't she fabulous? Linda's live show, Tough Love, with Linda Mariano and friends is tomorrow, 12th of March, as part of the All About Women Festival. You can book tickets at www.sydneyoperahouse.com.
Alrighty, it's time for the weekend list. It's Helen here, and I'm going to be pumping out some recommendations. So, my first recommendation is a book by journalist and author Elfie Scott, who found out her mother was schizophrenic at the age of fourteen. So, it's called the one thing we. So, it's called the one thing we've never spoken about. And it's an amazing read. It's it's kind of a, it's a part memoir, part deep dive investigation that reflects on how Australia continues to fail people living with complex mental illnesses, breaking down the stigmas surrounding schizophrenia, which I think is just such an important conversation we need to be having. I've just started the book. It was released earlier this year in Jan, and I'm really loving it. I'm learning so much. So. This is a big recommendation from me this week. If you can, you can grab it online at Booktopia or in any good bookstore. And if you want, you can check out Elfie's Instagram to find out a little bit more about her. That's at Elfie Scott. Alrighty, my second recommendation this week is another bargain budget hack. It's Mad Fit's workouts on YouTube. So Maddie is a fitness queen and you can head to her YouTube channel and there's so many amazing workouts there. You can do them at home, head to the park or even at your gym. And did I mention they are all free? I'm loving it. It's such a bargain. Her workouts cater to everyone as well. She's got low impact, knee-friendly options, no jumping options, which are great if you live in an apartment. There's no equipment workouts, yoga, Pilates, dance-inspired ones, and so much more. And it's also really great if you're time poor because there's a bunch of different workouts that range from like five-minute warm-ups to 30-minute full body. So that's at MadFit, M-A-D-F-I-T on YouTube. Google that and give it a go. I hope you enjoyed this quick full body workout. If you only have 10 minutes in a day, this is a really great workout to just throw in there. Get the heart rate up, get the blood flow going. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for being with us and tuning in. It's always a pleasure. And if you want more of the weekend briefing, you can find us on the Listener app. You can download the Listener app in your app store and follow us there. Otherwise, you can follow or subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts from. And why not give us a rating and review for this fabulous interview with Linda? And FYI, you can review and rate every episode, not just this one. So why not go ahead and give it a little crack? So we'll be back Monday morning where Tom Tilly and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones, along with some seriously interesting interviews. Stay safe, everyone. Listener.